There is nothing I love more than an amazing meal with high quality meat cooked at home because let's be honest, eating out is so expensive. And you also know that eating out is the number one budget buster. That is why I am so glad I found ButcherBox. ButcherBox is a premium meat subscription service dedicated to delivering high quality, grass fed and grass finished beef, organic chicken, pork raised crate free and wild caught seafood directly to your doorstep with free shipping always. You even get exclusive member deals, recipes, and a variety of high-quality cuts at an amazing price. New users will receive their choice of two pounds of ground beef, three pounds of chicken thighs, or one pound of premium steak tips for a year. Use code ETM and get $20 off your first box at ButcherBox.com. Last night, we made a beef stew with meat from ButcherBox, and you can taste the difference. It was so satisfying and delicious. And all of our friends that were over for a dinner party, they raved at how good it was. So do yourself a favor and eat better this year with the best meat and seafood on the planet delivered to your door. ButcherBox is offering my listeners their choice of a weeknight meal essential, three pounds of chicken thighs, two pounds of ground beef, or one pound of premium steak tips for free in every order for a year. Plus, get $20 off your first order. Sign up today at butcherbox.com etm and use code etm to choose your free offer and get $20 off. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. New Year's, we compared the top five New Year's resolutions with the impact that money plays and emotional health was one of them. And it was 73 to 75% uh, between there said, uh, I would, if my finances were, were better, I would feel better emotionally, right? Hey, welcome back to another episode of Everyone's Talking Money. I am your host, Shauna Game. And on this show, my friend, we don't just talk about the how to's of money. We also dive into the emotions, that stuff that keeps you up at night and gets in the way of reaching your goals. That leads us into today's episode. We throw around words like financial literacy, but what does that really mean? If you're anything like me, you didn't grow up learning about money in school and what your parents taught you, well, (laughs) my guess is you still had many questions when you got to the big bad real world. So you're left to just figure out how to money on your own, stumbling through paying off debt, saving money, investing. And so money could feel very overwhelming. But is money really that complicated after all? Our guest, Vince Shorb, founder of National Financial Educators Council, says that the biggest misconception about money is that it's complicated. And if we at least learn the basics, we'll do pretty well. So in this episode, Vince is sharing what it means to be financially literate. And don't worry if you're still learning about money. We all are. And why it's so important that you teach your kids about money from an early age so we can all collectively change financial literacy for future generations. 
But before we get into the episode, this show is an independent podcast, and I rely on your support to help it continue to stay afloat and grow in the future. Two ways you can support the show. One is leaving a review in Apple Podcasts. I've got a link right in the show notes. And the second is just sharing your favorite episodes with your network and continuing to spread the word. All right, let's start talking about this thing called financial literacy. We're talking about financial literacy. And, you know, this was a topic that my parents didn't really talk about when I was growing up, despite the fact that my dad had been in the financial industry most of his career. We never talked about how to budget. We never talked about how to save money, how to start investing, like all of these topics we just didn't have these conversations about. And I think now, if I didn't have those conversations and my parent was actually in the financial industry, right? We know that most people aren't having these these types of conversations. They're just not happening. And so, you know, we we bring up this term financially illiterate. Uh, and I want to think about how do we begin to approach this idea of becoming financially literate if we grew up in situations where money was just not talked about, right? How do we actually get to the core of being financially literate? Yeah, uh, it's interesting background you had and you know different parents have different styles of way they communicate. I always encourage parents to communicate because a lot of people go out on their own for the first time and they get make mistakes, they don't know what's going on, you learn the hard way. Um and that that's really the most common teaching method of of finance out there it seems like. So I definitely understand. And you know, for a lot of people it seems overwhelming especially when you come out and you make initial mistakes. It seems almost depressing to think about when you understand what things cost, what you're making, and you know, just this few hours of work might pay for a, a, a dinner and a movie out, possibly. Yeah, if you're um, lucky. <laughs> if you're very lucky and maybe eating very, very cheap and going to the dollar theater, uh, which I used to do back in the day. Um, but you know, I think there, there's a few approaches, right? I think for the people that are, are feeling that way, you can dip your toe in. And how you dip your toe into finding people like you watching these shows, you know, getting a, a sense of relationship and getting a, a overview of, of these different topics, finding your interest, um, you know, being more in a, in a looser education setting, which I think is an incredible way to learn these days. We're incredibly blessed with all these options and, and, and shows like yours, just uh, uh, reaching people that typically have not had that. Right. And then some people want to take it deeper and you can do learn different methods, research on the internet, talk to people, hire a coach or consultant. You can, you know, read more books and so forth. So you can take that education deeper levels. And I always encourage people to one of two things, either find the thing that they really love to learn about money, right? Because we always need to learn and dive in there. It doesn't matter if, if you're not, let's say you like real estate investing and you're nowhere near that potential. You don't have money, your credit's bad, you're in debt. Um, but if you enjoy it, you want to, you enjoy those things on HGTV, dive into that, right? And the spillover effect is like, okay, hey, I need to improve my credit. I need to do this. And, and that motivator could be a great force uh, for that. The other way is, um, you know, oftentimes people have upcoming life events that they just need to focus on. And sometimes you just got to grin and bear it. Hey, I, I'm going to have a child. I need to make sure I'm earning more or, or reduce my debt so I can afford this child. So, um, you know, there's one of two ways, you know, the, the, the fun and, and entryway or the, right. hey, I'm under pressure. I need to make this happen. <laughs> 
So how do we describe what it means to be financially literate? Like, is there a concise definition? Um, you know, there's not, but, you know, I think the, the actual definition would be having content knowledge on subject matter, right? I'm literate on finances. Now, do I think somebody will be better off financially by having knowledge? Yes and no. You can, there's a lot of people that know how to have good credit that don't have good credit. There's a lot of people that know how to budget that don't have a budget. There are a lot of people that know they should invest early that aren't investing early. So literacy is one aspect. We like to use a broader definition here at the National Financial Educators Council, which includes behaviors, confidence in being able to implement those decisions, some resiliency when things turn against you, uh, building team members and having a plan, um, and, 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 and you know, having that motivating factors that can actually continue that. So we look at it more holistically and broader, um, but uh, yeah, so that's how we define a financial literacy. I want to get this stat right. I believe CNBC, they had an article out uh, last year, and it said that 90% of Americans say money impacts their stress level. And I'm, I'm sure this is happening worldwide, that this is not just a, a US-based phenomenon here. What do you think the connection is between, or is there a connection between a lack of financial literacy and our money stress levels. Do those things go together or is the, the, the you know high number of, of, of money stress that we're all feeling, is that just a, a state of everything's costing more, like just a state of, of life that we're in? Yeah. You know, I think there's a, there's a direct connection. And I think money spills over to many other areas besides stress as well. We put out a, a, a study uh, for New Year's. We compared the top Five New Year's resolutions with the impact that money plays and emotional health was one of them. And it was 73 to 75% uh, between there said, uh, I would, if my finances were, were better, I would feel better emotionally, right? American it. Psychological Association puts out top stressors. They do this every few years of 70 to 75% typically in any given year say money's the leading cause of stress in their life. So uh, that, that data you have, I think is right on point with that. And I've been there, right? I think most people have yes. been there. Um, you know, when when you know when it's impacting your your basic human needs, you know, looking at your security, your housing, your ability to get food, your ability to drive a place to get to a job. When it impacts your relationships, right? When there are some arguments and fights in relationships, or not able to go out after months and months and staying at home, you know, things get tired. Um, it even impacts you know just your, how how you feel about yourself, especially with social media. Everybody looks like they're living a millionaire lifestyle. I mean, everybody's looking good out there, you know, doing all these cool things. But the reality is we only see that aspect. So, you know, just from a, a behavioral finance perspective, humans feel we deserve what others have. So that's driving the stress levels up. Um, so I think uh, if we look at the hierarchy of human needs, the first three levels, money's impacting very seriously and, and stress. Yeah, I think it just has that uh, effect where it's not only just in this one contained area, um, it's it's you know across all areas of a person's life, which is which is sad and scary, and even more of a, a encouragement for parents and schools to start teaching kids about money. Yeah, so thinking about that, I know there's been a lot of progress with states requiring financial literacy in in high school and really pushing for for students to get, you know be more financially literate. But I think there's still, I think you would agree, because this is what you do, there's still a lot more work to be done. 
Yeah. What does like what does the future look like when it comes to our kids learning about money? Are they going to have it better than than we have? I hope so. Uh, unfortunately, I just did a, a comparison of transcripts from my transcript in 1991 with one, a person from our youth advisory board from 2023. Now, he's a little smarter than me, took a little more advanced class in math and, and, and science, but otherwise exactly identical subjects, exactly identical. And you can't tell me nothing's changed between 1991 when the first website came online, August 1991, two months after I graduated, and today. It's absolutely insanity that, that it's not being taught. And even the states that do have it, we say every state fails because it doesn't even meet the minimum education standards required by other subjects. You know, if you're teaching math or science or English, you have to have a trained teacher. They've went to school for 15, 18 years to, to get that. Um, it, you know, they'll throw a math teacher to teach personal finance, which you and I know it's completely different. Math is one plus one equals two. You know, personal finances, different goals, different dreams, different situations, different habits. Um, you know, their lack of funding, it, it lacks the time and rigor. You know, the, the most comprehensive school system has a, a half a year or one semester of personal finance. Imagine trying to speak a foreign language or do really learn anything vital. Um, so I think there's a ton of room for improvement. Um, and, and so we're, you know, I, I always like to say this, um, I'm very appreciative of those that are leading the efforts and the push to get personal finance in schools. Thank you for getting the toe in the door. And now it's time we kick the door open. It's ridiculous. We're teaching subjects we've been teaching for the last hundred years that aren't helping our kids live a better, healthier, happier, healthier life. A huge focus on math and science, which benefits less than 10% of people that get STEM jobs. Um, and the rest of 90% are like me going, why am I learning this? It's ridiculous. Teach me about money. Teach me something useful. Um, so I think there's a long way to go. Um, I, 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 again, I want to be positive about the momentum, <laughs> but I think, hey, we need to look at the, you know, I think there needs to be immediate change like we did when we went to the moon back in the day. We need to get this in as quickly as possible so these kids are protected, so they can live a happier, healthier, better life than the, this last generation. And sadly, the way things are right now, I don't think it's shaping up that way. And I think through education, we can turn that tide. It's interesting, Vince, because I spent 10 plus years teaching at a university in Los Angeles and I taught financial literacy. And when I was hired, they were like, there's no syllabus, just come in and teach what you want. So you know, I was like, okay, well, let me teach what I think I would have needed to know as, you know, an 18 plus year old in college. And so many of the students were first generation. So they would learn and then they would go home and they would teach it to their parents and their aunts and their, you know, siblings. And so it was, it was really great. And I, you know, I went to the university one day and I was like, this is working. Like this is helping so many people in, in a very small way. But, you know, let's, Let's make like a one credit course that everybody has to take, super easy, and at least we can get people like to have some sort of money foundation and you know with universities as with most school systems there's politics and all sorts of things to go on and that that never happened and it just it really made me so angry. It's one of the reasons I started this podcast because I thought, you know, where are these kids going to learn anything about this? They're just going to be out in the world with student loan debt and trying to figure this all out. And, 
you know, when you when you talk about that schools are just not even even the ones teaching financial literacy are not teaching what we really need to know. It's just I, I don't understand what's gonna have to change in order to make this a priority because these these numbers about stress and and even things like suicide and depression about money, it's not getting any better. True. I, I appreciate efforts with the schools and yeah, your experience, we've seen that too, where it works backwards. The kids are educating the parents. And, you know, I think that's the beauty of, of, of finance. And again, that's why I'm very appreciative of people like you that are out there bringing this because you, you help one person, right? And going back to that concept of the spillover effect, on, we talked about it in the negative way, but the positive way, you just described perfectly. Hey, you empower one person within a family. They're educating uh, other members of their family. Plus, also, they're in a position they can help other members of the family, right? And now you have a family and maybe some friends and so forth that are now more empowered. Um, and then that can spread to the community. I remember when I was young, I had uh, some, some good success with, with money and investing early. I made some dumb mistakes later that, that cost me to live through that time. But, you know, the thing I love the most is you know, I, I was, people were coming to me asking for, for help and support and guidance because there wasn't anything out there really. So, um, uh, you know, uh, again, I think that's the beauty of today where you're able to take your passion for teaching in a school and bring it to the mass. I know you're reaching a ton of people nowadays and that's awesome. You have a great following. And you know, it's that's what we need to find, those educators. I always I have a handful of educators that stand out in my whole career through high school and college where I'm like, man, Mr. Abbott, he was awesome, right? And I still remember him from name and, and I, I still remember the lessons they they shared. And, and and the beauty is today we have access to people that align with our personality. We can go, you know, person to person, find that person that aligns. Um, in that style that we like to learn. And so I'm glad, you know, you went from a classroom where you're making a huge impact to this, where you're making huge impact, but just able to reach people probably around the world, not, not just the U.S., around the world with, with your message. So uh, again, appreciative of your efforts. So let's, let's talk about what kids need to know. You know, so many of the listeners are in that phase where they're having kids, or maybe they have young kids. What what can they teach about money to their kids, even from a really early age, to to start these conversations and to, you know, make money a, a topic that isn't so scary and fearful? Yeah, yeah, and I think it's a practice. You know, when my dad uh, taught me to drive, he took me to wide open parking lot. You know, <laughs> turn on the car, turn off, put your foot on the brake, don't put on the gas, keep your foot off the gas. Okay, go a little now, put it back on. But I still remember back then, even I'd get ten, twenty feet within a light pole. And my hands sweaty, I clam up, I tense up, right? And yet we throw kids out there. So for parents teaching kids, I think it's vital. It starts young. We can use teachable moments when you're shopping, um, especially, you know, let's say elementary school kids, teachable moments, uh, you know, uh, you know, comparison shopping, teaching them these basics, why you're doing certain things, bringing them into the bank, bringing them into your tax planner. They may not get it, but it's important for that exposure. With young kids, I'm a big believer in chores, so they're developing a strong work ethic early, and not only chores to, to earn money for them, but each month parents sit down and have them contribute to the household expenses. So maybe you can pay them a little oh, more, okay. and then they're contributing to house. You know, we could get more sophisticated later, but you know, initially it's the visual things that they can see: the house, the car, etc. Later, we can get the electricity, the gas. We, there's some fun games like. You can play with kids where it's, hey, let's compare last month's electricity bill with this month or last year's yeah, with this year's okay. and see if we can cut it down 10%. So we can make some good games with that as well. So 
With kids, it's about developing positive habits and behaviors. Uh, Brown University points to work ethic habits uh, uh, forming by age nine. Uh, they, uh, survey, they did a study of 50,000 youth, one of the most comprehensive studies I've seen. So it starts early. And parents, we need to remember, advertisers are marketing to your kids very sophisticated early on. They're getting influenced by social media, their peers. It's important. In the teen years, really, I think that shifts to life stage preparation. Although we're still trying to enlist those strong habits, preparing them for those near-term life events. One you mentioned is, hey, how to pay for school, right? Should I take out 200 grand in debt or should I find another solution? Um, you know, moving out on your own, all right? When I moved out, I had some knowledge of money, but I didn't realize, hey, you need a deposit for gas and cable and, and all that stuff. So, you know, you learn, uh, you know, very quickly and have to pick up extra shifts to pay for that. Um, you know, how to manage your money uh, as far as bank account and credit, right? Uh, my first credit card, I think it was eight or 12 grand and I was a, a busboy and waiter. I don't know if I made that a year, but I got an eight to 12 grand credit card. Um, so, you know, I think although we're always focused on the behaviors and habits, um, again, prepping those, those high school students for uh, those life events, I think is critical. You could do it at home where there's many courses, classes, workshops out there and available for parents as well that are looking for that added support. And how do you, as a parent, get past your own negative beliefs or thoughts about money to make sure that you don't pass that along or project that on your kids when you're talking about money? Yeah, that is tough and it is it is challenging. You know, it's a, when, when we dislike something, we're... We, <laughs> It, you can <laughs> hide no it so much, it, yeah. yeah. But but kids can and kids are sharp. Even young kids, they pick up. Hey, something's going on here. Did I do it? You know what's going on? Uh, so they can pick that up at at a young age, and that, and that is difficult uh, to do. And 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 it may not, you know, be something you hide. It may be something you discuss. Hey, I'm upset because I, I paid the husband paying this credit card bill, and it's not going down. The interest rates just went up, and and this, I'm upset because I got passed up for a, a thing, a, 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 you know, a, a job uh, uh, increase or a pay increase, you know, so even sharing those things. But again, it, it's, it, it puts parents, sometimes they feel at a vulnerable position. Uh, but I think in reality, when you can share those types of, and you don't have to share the negative only, you can share the positive and try to balance it out. But I, I think it's hard for humans in general to hide their emotions. Um, so if, if you're not good at faking and, and hiding that, there's another alternative for you, which is, hey, just saying, hey, this is why I'm upset. Let's talk about it. Here's what I'm going to do. And I'll report back in a few months. And I think too, even doing that, it could provide some accountability, right? Hey, hey, kids, yeah, I right. followed that. I, I you know, transferred the money to a zero interest credit card. Now it's being paid down. So we, we can showcase lessons, but that is a big challenge. And, and uh, I'm hoping to give some people a, a, an alternative option out there. So just having the conversations are are important, even if you you feel messy on your end. Uh, you know, it, I think it's it's tricky because a lot of people who have sent in questions for the show over the years have said it it wasn't something my parents said; it's what they didn't say to me. And you know, all of these um, you know unspoken messages just kind of are floating in my head and it it makes me doubt my ability to handle money or you know so just so many different things and so i think you know one of the reasons we we named the show everyone's talking money is is to be able to have these conversations even if you are shaky and 
you know, it, things don't feel uh, quite natural to you. It's, it's, it's at least a start in the right direction. Yeah. And I think through conversation as well, we learn, right? We're processing and, and we're getting out of our headspace, right? And I'm a big believer in, in communicating about money, but also writing things about money, right? So anytime we get out of our own head and worries and, and, and so forth, I think it's a good thing, therapeutic, but also it often reveals solutions that, that you may be missing just because the emotion, the stress, and all the other things we chatted about are, are influencing the way you're thinking at that moment. Financial anxiety, anyone? Yeah, you're not alone. But worrying about it, it doesn't help. Earnin does. Earnin is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. You just download the Earnin app and verify your paycheck. Then you can access up to $100 per day as you work and leave an additional tip. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. So how would you spend the money you get from Earnin? Well, honestly, my hubby and I have been feeling a little bit disconnected lately. That's what happens after you've been together about 12 years. So I would spend the money on a special date night with dinner and maybe bowling, you know, to bring back some of that giggly excitement that we both felt at the beginning. Make Earnin a part of your financial routine and join Earnin's over three and a half million customers who say things like, when I think about Earnin, I think about financial stability, security, gives me a lot of peace of mind. Download Earnin today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earnin app, type in Talkin, T-A-L-K-A-N, money under podcast when you sign up. It will really help the show. Talkin money under podcast. Subject to your available earnings, location, daily max, and pay period max. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank & Trust, member FDIC. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I was paying for vacations all wrong. <laughs> I was missing out on miles. I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? I don't know, maybe that fancy hotel upgrade that you have always been dreaming about. Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Nerdwallet, finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Listen, if you've been using Mint to manage your money, I have got some news for you. First, the bad news. As you might know, Mint is shutting down for good. But the good news, well, there is a way better alternative that is a personal favorite of mine, Monarch Money. And I'm not the only lover of Monarch Money. Many Mint users are turning to Monarch Money and just raving about it. I used to manage my money with an Excel spreadsheet. I know, so archaic. And it was so time consuming. I tried all of the apps but I just didn't find one I liked until I found Monarch. And I've got to tell you a secret. Monarch is so easy to use with a very intuitive design. You can even collaborate with your partner and you can customize Monarch for whatever your needs are. Monarch is the top rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com ETM. Let's go back to the collaboration bit. 
Because we know money is a leading cause of divorce and breakups, Monarch has built-in collaboration features so you can invite your partner at no extra cost. You can see all your finances, make a budget together, get insights on your cash. Yes, cue the confetti. There will literally not be any more arguments over money. And if you've been frustrated with personal finance apps that are cluttered with ads, difficult to use, or rarely updated, so was Monarch. They built a new kind of personal finance app that's intuitive and powerful, ad-free, and constantly improving based on customer feedback. Monarch has a tool that allows you as well to easily import your data from Mint. You can keep all of your tags and all of your categories. After trying Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash etm. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash etm for your extended 30-day free trial. All right, Vince, it is time to play your relationship with money is game. First question, if you had to describe your relationship with money as a type of food, what would it be? Well, I would say uh, more of a, a steak variety. You know, sometimes you get a, uh, you know, there, there's so many different tastes of steak, the way it's cooked, the, the cut of beef and everything. And, and, and I think it goes to changing times, whether it be economic times change. Uh, whether it be your 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 situation changes, opportunities change. You know, sometimes you chew on a nice, moist, you know, easy to chew on piece of steak. Other times you really got to cut that knife in there and, and and really grind down. Um, so you know, money I think is is very similar. Changes over time, and, and the what we need to tackle on a daily basis is very similar. So uh, if it was a a food, I, I would say steak. <laughs> All right. What is your biggest money splurge that you are never giving up? You know, I'm, I'm quite frugal. I enjoy that, but I, I do, you know, so I, I've always kept a low overhead. Uh, I, my, my money splurge, I think more come from investment into business and investments. I enjoy that. I'm going to take risks that I want in other areas of my life. Uh, from a fun perspective, I do like to travel and I do like a good restaurant. So, um, you know, I, I try to keep the travel cost to a minimum, but <laughs> I, I do go out for a, a, a nice steak uh, every once in a while. I enjoy a, a nice glass of whiskey with that. I see you've got a bunch of uh, books on your bookshelf behind you. If if you could read only one money book for the rest of your life, what would it be? You know, I have to go back to my old school, uh, Kiyosaki, which, are, uh, 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 which was ca- Cashflow Quadrant. I read all of them, but Cashflow Quadrant, that was my first where I was like, ah, you know, I had that aha moment. And I, I've probably read better books and so forth since then. But, you know, I just got to go back to the old school book that kind of really stimulated me down this path of entrepreneurship and real estate. Um, so, yeah. Tell me about the inner world of your money thoughts. Is there a central theme or a central thought that plays kind of on repeat for you about money? Yeah. How do I grow? How do I limit my risk? And how do I help people? I think, uh, you know, money's uh, a tool uh, for positive change, and I, I always want to grow it to to gain power, to gain influence, to make a better world for not only myself, my family, my loved ones, but also the community. And uh, I think growth is a key to that. And watching out, you know, there's there's risks out there. I'm risk adverse, and when I don't have control of situations, so you know, hey, how do I grow and limit my risk? That's a daily thought for me. All right, last question. What's one money secret you've never shared or you don't share often that you want to come clean on? 
money. So, you know, I talk about money all the time. I try to share all my secrets, um, <laughs> you know, but I, I, I would say, you know, I think, uh, you know, one that I, I did early and um, I started early as far as investing. Now I made some mistakes, right? And, and, and made some errors. Um, but I think at a young age, you can recover. Um, so if you get educated on a topic and you have a certain level of expertise there, um, I think, hey, it's okay to take some higher level of risk as long as you built up that resiliency as well uh, to recover from that, not only emotionally, but also financially. Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. I'm Samantha Cole, host of the new season of Understood, The Pornhub Empire. Over the course of four episodes, I'll tell you how a horny YouTube knockoff in Canada came to dominate the porn world only to shatter their cheeky reputation in a massive scandal. The Pornhub Empire is a new season of Understood from the CBC. Available now wherever you get your podcasts. Want to know the number one money question I'm asked? It's how to get started investing without being overwhelmed. So if you're asking yourself the same question, then you have to check out the Investing for Beginners podcast. The hosts, Dave and Andrew, they break down investment terms and strategies in a way you can finally understand. I love that they're making investing accessible and they have an entire podcast dedicated to helping you invest better. Even if you're not ready to start investing, they explain the stock market and financial updates so you can really understand what is being said on the news. If you're ready to learn more about investing, I'd recommend you start with two of my favorite episodes. Listener Q&A, how do you start investing with a thousand bucks? Where they explain how you get started right away. And back to basics of building your portfolio, where they explain how to build a portfolio from scratch. The Investing for Beginners podcast is a great way to start expanding your relationship with money. Find Investing for Beginners podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. So I'm curious, because you you play in this world all day, if there are any common themes or um, most kind of misunderstood topics around money that come up? Are there things that just stump us? You know, I, I, I think the, the, the biggest misconception about money is that it's very complicated, right? I think, you know, if we look at the basics, right, and just break it down the basics, we need to earn some money, right? We have expenses that just part of life that we have to pay. But the main goal is the ability to save, right? And I think if if we can focus people on, hey, just are you able to save on a monthly basis on a, each month? If you're able to get to that point, we're in a good stage, right? Yeah, now we get into investments and yeah, in credit and interest rates and, and impact your, 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 your debt load. Yeah, you can do these things here. Yeah, skill development impacts your income and there's other opportunities. But if we could just break it down to simplify it, um, I think that demystifies it and, and it encourages people to move forward. I think a lot of people get caught up because they see all these things on things they should be doing, you know, work on this, work on that. But let's just break it down to the very basic structure. 
And, and I always encourage people to, to tackle those things that they either feel motivated for at the time or that's most important and urgent in their life, right? And, and, and just getting something on a regular calendar. You know, we spend 40, I'm sure you spend a lot more time than 40 hours a, a week working myself too, 60, 70 most weeks. A lot of people there, you know, 40, 50, 60 hours as well. And, you know, they spend all this time working to earn money, yet very little time on their personal finances. So I'm always, when I have conversation with people, like, yeah, how much time do you spend working a month, right? Uh, you know, 160 hours. Okay. How much time do you spend on your personal finances? Um, you know, I do the, my, check my credit cards in, in my bank account at the end of the month. So about a half hour. It's like you just put all that time into earning money and nothing into the back end that can really help you achieve some more security and freedom. So I think that's a aha moment for them uh, as well. Is there a certain amount of time we should be spending on our money? Yeah, everybody's different. You know, I think uh, if, if you're, and in, in, in also there's urgency levels too. You know, hey, if you're in a situation where you don't have emergency money, you're in, in heavy debt, you're, you're worried about keeping a roof over your head or food in your kid's mouth, that's urgent time. We need to spend a lot of time focused on, on, on money, whether it be working, cutting expenses. We need to really prioritize that, forget about that outside world, um, and, and really focus so you're secure, your family's secure in that. Um, you know, once you get above that where you have some emergency money debts paid and, and maybe you're saving, you know, for investing, it's not as urgent, um, you know, but a lot of people have goals as far as when they want to retire and so forth. So I think making sure that you have a plan in place to determine how much you should work on your money. You know, if you want to retire in five years, you don't have any money saved. Now we need to move. If you want to retire in 50 years, you're able to save a couple hundred bucks a month. Hey, you, you might be able to chill and relax and, and uh, you know, live a, 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 a you know, very relaxed lifestyle and, and put in a couple hours a month toward money. So, uh, you know, the, the unique thing uh, that I've heard on, on your show quite a bit is that everybody's different. We all have different goals. We all have different dreams. We're all in different situations. And I think that uh, uh, will, will dictate on, on the time and effort you have to spend toward your finances. Well, you have founded the National Financial Educators Council really to help, right? Help all of us become more financially literate. I, I'd love to know a little bit more about your personal story and what motivated you to create an organization that's really, you know, leading the charge to help us all become more financially literate. Yeah, I've always had an interest in money finance and I've always wanted to be taught in school and and I spent 15 years of financial services because I enjoyed, you know, talking with people about my early successes before I had some trouble. Um, you know, I enjoyed that, right? And 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 I saw in financial services, I was often putting a Band-Aid on people as opposed to really helping them from the ground up, right? I'd get them in a good financial situation. They'd come back in, in a bad situation five, six, eight months later. Um, so, I, you know, just sad, uh, I would get super excited for my clients, you know, be, you know, thinking, okay, hey, they're saving extra two grand a month. They're in great shape, no debt. You know, they, they can, if they put this into investments, they're going to be in really great shape in five, 10 years. And, and it just, that, that dream I had for them didn't work. So it was, it was frustrating to me toward the end. And, um, I found that my mom reminded me of, of my, my interest in this. Uh, when I visited her, I just was kind of going, I need to find something else. And, and uh, uh, she reminded me of that. And uh, from that day on, uh, the NFEC was born. We, we branded a few times early on, but initially we were boots on the ground doing financial education programs. 
uh, partner with a lot of celebrities, sports stars doing these bigger events and venues. Um, and then it came to a point to where um, we want to scale. And, and now we really shifted from that boots on the ground organization to uh, training and, and empowering those in local communities so they can lead local community financial education programming. Um, and, and that's where we're at today. And then, you know, it's nice. To, I, I do miss being in front of you know, educating teens and so forth. That's I, that's I do that a few times a year only now. So I miss that immensely. Uh, but I am very fulfilled seeing, hey, what our, our, our community champions are doing in every 50 states and actually in, in 60 plus countries, too. So um, it's exciting. And that's where the future of, of, of we're heading. We're opening our state chapters. We launched our fourth one yesterday and, and uh, coming up on our on our fifth wow. one here in, in a week. So um, but, yeah, that, that's kind of our vision moving forward. We just want to make sure that communities have access to quality programming. Uh, they have people in there that can lead that and direct that um, and, and, and scale that. So it's not just serving one generation, it's building something for the future. So are, are, is this education that, you know, anybody could could get, not just, you know, teens or, or people, you know, high school ages, if, if somebody's in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, and they're still feeling this this lack of education and wanting to know more, are these resources that they can tap into? Yeah. So if, if they're looking to learn about personal finance, they can, you know, uh, we can connect them with our certified financial education instructors and our certified coaches. The instructors are teaching groups, Zoom, in person, and so forth. Our coaches are working one-on-one with people. Um, and they're really leading the, the consumer education uh, piece, um, uh, you know, and we can direct you there. Um, but for those that have a passion for bringing that to the community, we provide the training, the resources, the, the support, the, the funding materials, really everything needed to scale and, and build a financial wellness program to them. And, and there's no restriction. We don't require any college degree or anything of that nature. Hey, we want to make sure you have a passion. This is something you're an advocate for, you're committed toward, um, and then we, we, we support you the best way we can and, and, and really you know, filling in those p- places so you don't have to reinvent the wheel and you have a, a system to do so. So that's really our focus now. And again, I, I think my passion, uh, I still love teaching teens and so forth, uh, but I, I get an equal amount uh, of, of, of fulfillment when I see what they're doing with teens and young adults and kids and adults as, as well. So, um, yeah, it's changed a bit. Um, you know, I'm not boots on the ground like you are. Uh, I do miss that. Uh, but uh, uh, being on shows like yours, it, it does fill that niche for me uh, uh, qu- uh, quite nicely as well. Well, I love that you share the same passion and enthusiasm that I do for for financial literacy because I I struggled when I was a practicing certified financial planner just struggling with, you know, uh, really wanting to help people create change and, and, and it not happening and just, you know, something has to change. And then, you know, going to the college that I, that I worked at and, um, you know, speaking to those students and just, I don't know, I, I feel this, um, just this burning desire like you have that this is so critically important and it can change people's lives. It can change communities. It can change um, you know, generations to come, and we really need we really need more people that understand financial literacy. And so, you know, I love what you're up to. I, you know, thinking about everything that we talked about, you know, if you could if you could write us a little like per- prescription, you know, for becoming 
financially literate and and really just not letting money ruin our lives. You know, what are what are one or two things you you would tell us um, that we just need to remember? Yeah, say you know, if, if I'll, I'll do a timeline order, you know, as a kid, hey, focus on on yourself, skills, and in, in, in creating positive behaviors. Don't believe the hype of advertisers and, and social media. Find good quality role models that that you want to emulate that are in fields you enjoy. As teens, hey, let's don't mess up, right? Get prepared for what's coming. Um, also, there's there's risk out there that are new today. So you know, make sure you're doing things right. Um, don't get caught up in bad things. Um, and, and prepare for that next stage. Uh, when you first get out on your own, try to avoid mistakes. They will happen. You will make mistakes. Most people do, unless you're very fortunate and lucky. Um, even at, with the knowledge, there's things that come up. You, you may look back, be like, hey, that was a mistake. Build your resiliency. Keep working toward those goals. Establish a plan early. And again, just focus on the basics. Hey, how can you continue to gain skill sets to be uh, earn more? Uh, how can you continue to reduce your overhead so your 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 margins and what you're able to save for savings is, is bigger? Um, so that's a, a prescription from ages uh, three to to eighty eight. There you go. <laughs> it is so sad to me that states that are requiring financial literacy are failing to even meet the minimum education requirements of other subjects. It just you know, Vince is like boots on the ground with financial literacy. And this just doesn't say a lot about how we value learning about money at all. And it, it's crazy to me because money is such an integral part of living life. But you can change that by getting financially literate yourself and passing along what you know. I think of it like if we're in a giant line at your favorite coffee shop and we're all buying the person behind us a coffee. It's our responsibility to learn about money and to pass it along. So if you want to learn more about Vince and the National Financial Educators Council, you can head to financialeducatorscouncil.org or just head right to the show notes. The link will be right there. As always, I want to thank my sponsors who help make this show possible. Go over, give them some love. You'll find all their links in the show notes, as well as everything else we talked about on this episode. Thank you so much. If you've not done so already, I would really appreciate it if you'd leave a review for the show. You can head on over to the link in the show notes or Apple Podcasts or whatever podcast app you're listening to this episode in. I will see you right back here, my friends, in a few days for a brand new episode.